the most important thing is you got to be out there, right? You got to be, you got to be, you know, in there on their radar in some fashion. Azeeb, I'm excited to continue our conversation. I'd love to know your story. Like, how did you get to where you are right now, the past now two, three years running uh, Refi Systems? Like, what got you to this point? Yeah, I think I got lucky. Um, so I, I went to USC for undergrad. Uh, I was at Cal for grad school. Um, and um, for whatever reason, in 2000, everybody I knew wanted to go work at startups. And I didn't know what a startup was, frankly, at the time. I just kind of, seems like a small company. I don't know why they call it a startup. I'm, okay. Um, so I got, I got a job at a startup. And uh, the startup actually, uh, they were paying a lot of money. Uh, for a 21-year-old at the time, uh, hey, wow, that's, you know, now these numbers don't, do, uh, I mean, I talked to like the engineers coming out of Stanford uh, with no experience and they're making so much money and it's shocking, but you know, at the time, $72,000 was a lot of money. And I'm like, wow, okay, I, I guess I'll go work at the, at the guys who are giving me the most money. I ended up at a startup and that startup was a company called Oblix and they were arguably one of the two companies that created the concept for behind single sign-on in our industry. They were card by Oracle. Um, what a fascinating time. I just, it was just incredible, right? I mean, these people moved fast, they didn't care. So in college, I'd done an internship at Cisco, I'd done an internship at Ericsson, very different environment, right? I mean, I had to write like a document before I would make a line change. Here, these guys were just, my God, they were just running. It was awesome. And then I never, ever applied to a big company ever again. So I only worked at startups. It was great. And uh, I, it's, What's I mean, you know, but this is, yeah, it's, 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 how can you move any slower than this? It was just, you know, the, and the, many of the people I worked with back then, this was, this was not, I guess, 20 years ago. Um, I still know them. In fact, my direct manager, uh, who is now a very, very senior person at a very, very large company, um, you know, I mean, these people were just, you know, crazy, man. And that, that just got, got me hooked. And I kept working in startups and uh, eventually uh, two companies ago got an opportunity saying, oh, this, this is interesting. I could do this. We should, we should give it a shot. And it worked out. To where you are then now, there's a lot I'm sure you've learned. <laughs> Can you share one difficulty, whether it's more on the fundraising side, on the product development side, is getting the first couple of clients or scaling, What's a difficulty, a challenge that you were able to overcome? Talk about that tactic. What, what, what was that challenge and how were you able to overcome it? So all of the things you described were difficulties. Because it's all hard. And not, nothing, none of this is easy. It's just crazy. I'm not that old. I got a lot of white hair and it's, it's, it's hard. You are um, uh, I don't know, man. You should, yeah. Every time, every time I, every, every now and then my daughter looks and goes, Dad, you're, you're old. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, that kind of hurts. Like, well, okay, all right. Um, no, but the, the fundraising is hard, and every time it's different. Uh, every time I've been involved in some fundraising activity, it's just weird, man. There's no, there's no book for this. People who say, you know, I can help you raise money, I go, what are you talking about? There's no formula for this. Uh, it kind of works out, right? Uh, but I think the the most interesting thing, and those things work out, obviously. You know, we're here. You know, we have, we're, we're funded. I think the the most interesting exercise. Uh, that all of us go through is we don't know what we're eventually going to be shipping when we start. It just, you cannot know. It's just not possible. 
how, how can you know? You had some crazy ideas in your head. How do you know you're right? And if you get stuck with that idea that you had on day one, you will fail. Or you could get very lucky or you could be Facebook, right? You know exactly what you're burning, it's fine. But more often than not for, you know, for, you know, for the, not for the demigods, right? For normal humans, right? It, it's a process, right? Um, and uh, where we, when we started this company, I had a very specific idea about a use case. And uh, yeah, that was wrong. It was not the right use case. It's okay. But you gotta iterate and you gotta iterate fast. You have to be very open with your team about, look, man, I got, I, I thought this and I have this data. We gotta, we, you know, we gotta shift a little bit. It's not a big deal. It just you, what you're writing doesn't change. Maybe the go-to-market changes, or hey, maybe these features should be thought differently, or whatever the the thing is. But you gotta be ready for that. And my my experience now is, and my co-founder and I, we if we get an opportunity, we make these small kind of angel investments, and we find that the the teams who get stuck with their core idea, unfortunately, end up losing our money because they don't work out, right? And that's, that is a really, really important aspect or a quality to entrepreneurs. Powerful insight to know if you are stuck on one particular product that you start with and don't change or iterate from there, you're likely to fail. What would you say you should focus on? Something that does remain consistent and uh, current throughout the, the life of, of the business. So... I think I learned the hard way back in uh, 2014 uh, in, a, in, a, in a startup that we've done uh, together. A number of us here at Rafe, we've been working together uh, for some time now. You know, uh, um, the CEO must be able to sell. That is the weirdest lesson I've learned. I never thought that would be the case. If you can't sell your own product, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's not going to work out because um, then, you know, salespeople, how, how can you quote salespeople and they'll come back and tell you, oh, it's really hard. Nobody, nobody buys this product. No, no, actually, no. I've closed some business. I know how to do it. You, you need that. You need that confidence, right? And if you're not, and it's not, it's not about closing. It's about selling, right? It's about having those conversations. And I don't mean product management conversations. So, so this was my mistake, by the way. I used to think that selling is walking in and telling people, let me tell you how great my product is. Yeah, nobody cares. It doesn't matter, right? It's really about finding that intersection point between pain and solution, right? And that happens with a conversation, not, not talking at people. It's about asking a bunch of questions, right? How are you doing this today? What's not working? If it's such a big, here, here's an interesting question. If it's such a big pain point, why haven't you solved it this already? You're telling me that, oh my God, it's a problem. But you're, you've been living with this for two years. Clearly, it's not that important, by the way. So those are the deals that actually never close. They keep looking for that perfect answer. Okay, I got to walk away. These are, these are lessons learned the hard way, right? I mean, you lose a lot of deals to learn this, right? And, you know, this applies to any business, right? I mean, as they say in venture capital, it takes $40 million to train a VC, right? Because you lost money, right? Okay. Uh, here, it takes probably, I don't know, 50 no's, 100 no's before you figure out, okay, here's where I need to go, where I'm going to find value, which is why I described to you the company that the way I described to you before. I didn't say I'm going to go sell this to Goldman Sachs. Could Goldman Sachs use a product? Actually, I think, yeah, they, they could. But, you know, my focus is here right now, right? I got to focus on these companies because I know that the need is higher. 
the pain is uh, well more you know acute right i can i can solve a problem there right now and close some business they're happy i'm happy right so learning that lesson i think we all take that for granted it's going to work itself out right and i'm going to find beautiful salespeople. they're going to get me these awesome meetings i'm going to walk in and do a presentation and then everything will just happen behind me yeah it's not true the ceo needs to be able to sell it in the, at the beginning and it's about being able to ask good questions that just lead out to the to the to where you are the solution that good questions asking powerful insight for you in the development of, of rafi systems or, or, or previous ventures obviously building the right team like if you can sell it's important but then building the right team to, to move it forward uh is crucial any insights you can share of of either building the right team or, or crafting that or, or, or choosing the right people, anything you can share on that. So th this is not by design. It kind of happened for, for us at least. Um, so, so here's, here's a litmus test. Um, hey, I, I just talked to a customer and they said that I love your product, but only if it does this one thing, I'd be interested. Okay. So you may get, one of the following answers, they're really, really busy right now. What do you want me to drop from the things I already have on my plate? So I call that engineering blackmail, by the way, right? It's like, you know, you know, I can't answer that question, but you asked me that question anyway. I'm going to say, no, drop, drop nothing. Why did you ask me that question, right? That's engineering blackmail. And I, of course, I'm, I kid when I say those things. Um, but that's a tough question. But, you know, uh, the, the best people in teams, they never say that. What they say is, let me go figure it out. Let me see if it's even possible. I'll come back and tell you what it's going to take, and then we make a decision. And then you tell me, you know, what, what, what do we do? Right? So we got, had, are very lucky that we're surrounded by uh, leaders in our engineering team who behave that way. And this happens all the time. In fact, uh, the most recent deal I personally closed, it's with a healthcare company. I think their logo is already on our website, but uh, um, they said to us on the day of the POC, Oh, you don't support CentOS? Hmm. Yeah, that's not going to work for us. Okay, CentOS is a Linux variant. Um, okay. So, we, and we didn't at that instant. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, so I talked to the team and, and I, I went back to the customer and said, okay, I'm going to show a demo in a week. And three weeks is going to be in production. Can you wait three weeks? Yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it. The people who are interested in buying, they never say, if it's not here today, I'm not going to. They will invest in the company. They're not investing in a point in time product. If your product doesn't do X today, no way, no deal. Nobody does that. It just never, it doesn't happen. They are investing in your roadmap, right? They will work with you. In fact, the, the best customers help us build our product better because they see this as an investment. That customer saw this as an investment. And our team said, all right, okay. If you believe this is a customer that's a real customer, and even if they walk away, it's fine. There's so many other customers who need this feature anyway. No problem, we'll get it done. And we got it done. We would close the deal. It happens again and again. By the way, this is not a Rafi story. This is any successful company story. This is how it is. There's absolutely no way you can have built everything. It's just not possible. There will always be some crazy requirement, and then you have to make a decision. Hopefully, you find yourself saying more no than yes, because that's the right thing to do, by the way. You don't want to say yes to everything. That is crazy. Uh, but you have to make that decision. You have to be in a position where you are able to say no then you're doing the right things. Being able to be in the position to say no, that's a, a great position to get to, but having the right team members, as you, as you say, that don't just say, well, what do you want me to drop, but tries to look and find a solution. That's 
a great team to build. How many team members do you have now today? I think we're about 40 people. Nice. For this now continued direction, uh, obviously over the past few years, finding the right product market fit, building out that product, as you said, finding the customers that, that describe it and you continue to make it better. Are there any lessons learned or, or tactics that work to help scale going from, from one to, to five to 10 um, clients and customers using the platform and beyond? Any tactics that you found that have worked for that continued scale? There's a perfect answer I'd love to hear because um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, this, this, is, this is all, I mean, everything, it's, I, think, I think every couple of weeks, Alexander, I, I think my wife and I talk and I can tell her, why are we doing this again? Why, why did you let me do this this time? And she goes, I, we had this conversation and you said, no, it's great. You, yeah, anyway. um, uh, it, uh, scaling is, is, is really tough. I think uh, particularly at, this, at the size we are, um, you know, every new opportunity that, you know, myself or one of our salespeople find, it's a hard fought battle. Um, and at some point, every company hits that, you know, inflection point and then it just becomes easier, right? And people say that it does, you know, it, it takes time. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in fact, this, this is a bit of a tangent, but, you know, there's a, uh, there's a class of salespeople who work well pre-inflection point uh, and 99% of them actually work after the inflection point. Can you, can you expand most on that? Salespeople, most real salespeople expect a lot of stuff to be ready before they will sell, right? The leads are coming in and content exists and there's an email template and marketing is giving me SQL or, you know, sales qualified leads. Um, yeah, no, we don't have that, right? I mean, day one, how can you have it? It doesn't exist, right? So, so there's a very special class of salespeople who actually thrive in that uh, chaos. And those are the ones who probably are, you know, the unsung heroes of startups, right? Because they actually go figure out, right? It's, now the CEO could be one of them, right? But in, I, mean, I don't mean in terms of a, the title, but in terms of the, the, the personality and the person, they go look for the companies and they go pitch a story and then they come back and say, yeah, that didn't work out. The customer says that just, that's just stupid, right? Or whatever, right? And you can, and the attrition happens there, right? So, so those are the people who help you build a machine, right? Uh, I, I'm trying to be that person. You, it, oh my, there's no, there's no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying and I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm there yet, but uh, maybe you get lucky, right? yeah, you, really, you get lucky. And, and, the, and, and if you don't get lucky, here's what you do. You, you bring in people and then you are very open with them about a front look, this is what we're looking for. And most people, by the way, sales people are great at saying, obviously, you know, I'm good at selling. They are good at selling themselves, right? Uh, and sometimes it doesn't work out. You should just be very open about this, right? Hey, look, man, it's fine. This is not for you. It's okay, right? Go home, right? Somebody's going to pay you $400,000. You'll, you'll be very happy. Go for it, right? And we go, we move on. It's okay. It happens. But, but having that open, uh, you know, clarity on what we're expecting and then clarity on, what, uh, you know, when it's not working, Iteration, right? Same with product, right? We iterate fast, fast, fast. Here we iterate fast, 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 um, and we make progress. You know, stagnation is death. Moving forward from here, obviously there's new challenges considering the world that we're in, um, social distancing and, and et cetera. Messaging, getting connected. There are new ways to look at how do you, how do you grow? How do you build? How do you communicate both externally as well as internally, what do you see that you're going to need to overcome and how are you approaching the, these new challenges? 
Yeah, I think the given the market we're in, in that companies are out there looking for something like this, that makes it a little bit easier. It's not, it's not free because, you know, we're just this tiny company nobody's heard of. Uh, our goal is to be in that top three consideration when an enterprise makes a decision. That's any, under, any, any, comp, any vendor like us, right? It's not about being, you want to be the best, but that's not the, really the question right now. The question is, when somebody says, I want to look for Kubernetes management, do you show up in the top three? Right, then there are ways to make that, you know, influence that, right? Uh, you know, working with analysts that uh, enterprises talk to as one example of a thing that one should do, uh, you know, but the most important thing is you gotta be out there, right? You gotta be, you gotta be, you know, in there, on their radar in some fashion, right? They have a sphere of, in, uh, of uh, kind of information collection, right? So they're collecting information from a number of different uh, 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 places and they gotta, they gotta see it, right? Uh, so when they make a decision, they know, okay, you know, this company, I know this other company and I've heard about this company, Rafi, and I remember that they are, they have the deepest integration with Amazon's Kubernetes, which is EKS. Okay. And I'm an Amazon shop. I should talk to them. There's a, by the way, as a, as a completely selfish plug, there's a blog about Rafi on Amazon's website talking about how Rafi helped an Amazon customer you know, uh, deploy Kubernetes in Amazon, right? So I don't believe there's other, other blogs like that on their website, which is awesome, right? So th these are the things that are helping, right? You wanna be in, you know, you wanna very, make, make it very clear where you fit, right? We're not trying to boil the ocean, we'll do this. Uh, if, you're, if you're using EKS, Rafa is hands on the best product in the market, you should talk to us. And, and then kind of, you know, staying uh, uh, fresh in their minds, right? Because the reality is just because I would love for, 5,000 companies to buy a product this year, not all of them will make a decision this year. And that's okay. So long as they know, and when they get to that decision point, they're able to reach out, we are in touch with them, et cetera. That's critical. The internal one is actually more of a challenge. That one is standard, right? We all get, mar maybe I don't, but we have a very strong story of marketing who knows exactly what he's doing and he's got a great plan. But the internal part is actually more interesting because um, it's really hard to make sure that everybody has all the information they should have because they're not in the office. I, I mean, I'm sure every company is dealing with this and everybody's got some great ideas. You know, people do like these Friday, whatever, Zoom bashes and whatnot. I don't know how well they work, but people do. Uh, and our team does them also. I mean, one small thing we start doing is, so every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Pacific, because we have a team in India also, uh, we get on a call for an hour, a Zoom call, and we just talk. Just no agenda, just, just talk. What do you want to talk about? And then more often than not, and here's the most interesting part, uh, what we end up talking about are the most recent POCs. Or, you know, that one account where we tried our product out, X didn't work. So that tells us a lot about what they care about, right? They care about who's buying the thing that they built and what did they not like about it. That's what they care about. So we gotta be very, you know, over communicative about that with engineers, because they are spending 18 hours a day writing code and they, well, somebody better buy the code I wrote for 18 hours a day, right? And so Hasib, what are you doing about it, right? Did you find a new customer or not? That's what they care about. I find more than, I mean, they, they care about other things, but that is like top of mind. So for outwardly being, uh, uh, Gaining awareness so that you show up in the top three. That, that's like a, a crucial role. Internally, creating spaces or opportunities for just conversation to talk about 
whatever's top of mind. And that actually, you'll, what bubbles to the top is what your developers are creating, what they, they want it to be used. So creating that space for them to, con uh, to converse provides good insight. That's powerful. Uh, two last questions for you. One, are there any books, audiobooks, podcasts that you read to listen, uh, have enjoyed in the past years and would recommend? So, um, my, I, I don't know how this happened, but you know, my favorite book, which I've read a few times now, is, uh, is uh, a book by uh, Mr. Horvitz, Ben Horvitz, uh, which is uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I don't, I'm sure, not I'm sure, but you know, maybe some of the stories he tells are polished, right? I mean, you know, it's fine, right? I mean, because it's a book, right? But I mean, I'm sure that book speaks to all of us who are doing this, right? I mean, it, there's no, uh, you know, uh, story that's like this, right? I mean, everything is this. And I forget the the, the following quote. I, I believe this is a bistone, but I apologize if I'm getting it uh, getting the person wrong. That you know, every overnight success took ten years. It just it's hard, right? I mean, it takes time. Um, and uh, those kinds of, you know, being able to read those kinds of stories where others have gone through this and, and you know, and look, it just, they didn't have any answers either. It just kind of worked out, right? I mean, sometimes you just, I think, you know, luck is a function of trying, right? You just, you just stay at it and it works itself out. Um, I think those are the things that are, but definitely, I mean, when you ask the question, I was thinking, okay, what books come to mind? The two books that came to mind were Good to Great, Jim Collins. This is from college, so it's been a while. Uh, and uh, Hard Thing About Hard Things. I think those two books clearly have left a, 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 an impression in my head. Last question for you. What kind of technology innovations do you predict we'll see in the near term, next year or so, in the long term, five, 10 years? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, flying cars, I don't know. Um, I, I think, uh, uh, I, I don't think flying cars will happen in that, in that short of a time, I'm, in my very limited understanding of, of those things. Um, I think it, uh, we've been talking about modernization for forever. <laughs> it had different names, digital transformation and, you know, SOA and all these, you know, phrases. But I think, I, you know, arguably the world's changed now, right? I mean, particularly because of COVID, the world is different, you know, travel will be different and everything will be different now. Right, uh, and uh, I think we will interact with each other indirectly more than the, than we are used to. Um, you know, already, you know, you don't know we don't shake hands anymore. That changed, right? Um, you go to the grocery store and there's a glass barrier, right? And usually when I when I tell them, you know, hey, you know, if I ask a question, they can't hear me anyway because there's a glass barrier. So then I kind of go around and say, hey, you know, which which is just at some point, this we got somebody's going to find a better way to do this. But I think we're gonna we're gonna interact more indirectly, even in real life, and that's gonna drive a whole new set of you know uh, applications and channels that maybe we haven't really thought about, right? Like as an example, like obviously you know we were talking on what what is it today, the the second of September, and Zoom stock went up like forty percent yesterday after they announced a four hundred or whatever. This is crazy, right? But is Zoom the best product? I don't know, right? I mean we're gonna probably see some innovation there, right? I mean. Uh, uh, I, I saw a beautiful tweet yesterday which says, you know, the, 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 the biggest feature missing on Zoom is, you know, when you're on a call with 20 people and somebody's droning on and on and on, in a meeting, I can kind of look to the side and, you know, kind of nod at my colleague and say, this guy, yeah, I can't do that on Zoom now, right? I need that feature, right? 
Somebody's going to build a company for that, right? Oh my God, this guy, right? Um, this will happen, right? So we're going to, but you know, broadly speaking, I think we're going to have, you know, channels of indirect communication that we haven't thought about. I'm excited for that. That should be interesting to see. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Thank you.